Each week, Invest Talk listeners ask Steve and Justin what they use for winning investment research. And the answer is Y Charts. Quality data with easy to use tools. You can start your free trial today. And if you purchase during the month of June, you'll get 14 months of Y Charts for the price of 12, plus a free subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. Subscribe now. Go.ycharts.com slash investtalk. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Thursday, June 13th, 2019. I'm Steve Peasley. And I want to take a little minute, a little time here to thank everybody yesterday who, who uh, met with me at San Jose. As you know, I was in San Jose all day yesterday talking with people. Um, and it was kind of interesting. I, I always enjoy it because everybody has such interesting stories about their lives and where they're going financially, where they've been. It's kind of it's kind of fun, really, for me, anyways. But I, I want to thank everybody who, who, who uh, met with me yesterday. I appreciate that. And, of course, you guys who didn't meet with me, you're welcome to call and ask your investing questions. We do this every day, Monday through Friday, same hour, Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 Pacific time. Been doing it for 20-plus years. Now, uh, when you do call, of course, you are driving the show. You're taking it to places you want it to go. It's a financial show, so we got to stay within the financial sphere. I don't want to get into any other kinds of topics, financial sphere. And of course, uh, my goal here is to help you reach that goal of financial freedom. So that my goal is to teach. Today we had a class. I had a class at Best Talk Academy. Uh, and uh, it was all about inflation, deflation, and stagflation. And it really is interesting to refresh my memory and knowledge of those topics where they came from and stuff. I, I remember, I remember, I, I don't think I've ever been in an environment, grew up in an environment of uh, deflation, but stagflation, yes. Definitely stagflation. Anyways, that was an interesting topic, but you drive the show to whatever topics you want to talk about. As long as it's financial, I'm up for it. So, and I'll do my best to answer all your financial questions and we'll do this together. We'll take one step at a time. We'll get to that financial freedom goal. We can. So you got to call though. 888-99-CHARGE is my number. 888-992-4278. Now, my main talking point today. Feds are blocking tax breaks of charitable donations. What? That sounds unusual, doesn't it? The IRS and the Treasury have issued final rules blocking attempts by certain states to work around the new cap for state and local tax deductions. Remember the remember the uh, the uh, tax law that was passed not that long ago, and it benefited most people in the Midwest and uh, the lower uh, lower cost areas, but on the coast, the high cost areas, it, it hurt them because it took away some of the tax benefits of a property taxes that you're paying. So uh, some states try to get around that. And the IRS, and we're going to talk about it. We'll talk about it. It's very interesting. I thought it was very interesting today. Anyways, why should, we're also going to talk about why should people, why aren't they, 
Why are they won't buy a house? Why do some people won't buy a house? What is in their thinking? Why why are they not? Because I don't know. You've heard me talk about it, but the the uh, millennials have been postponing, been postponing buying a house. Of course, they also have been postponing foreign families. But there are just groups of people who don't want to buy a house. Why? They can afford it. They just don't want to. Also. Um, I don't know if you saw after hours, Blue Apron did a reverse split, a reverse split. Do you know what splits are? Do you know what reverse splits? Why would they do that? Why would they do a reverse split? So I want to make sure we all understand that. And I also want to talk about the yield curve. I, I know I've been talking about it more and more often because of it's getting close to, uh, it's been squeezing, squeezing, and squeezing. So I want to talk about that a little bit and why the Fed might be cutting rates, why the experts think that. So we're those are the talking points. But of course, you come first. Your ideas, your talking points are first, not mine. So well, let's, you know, let's line it up. Let's see what you want to talk about. The market was up today. Dow was up 102 points. The Nasdaq up 44, and the S&P up 12. You've noticed that you know we had a big down month all of May. June started uh, up. We've had a, a, a bounce, a reflex bounce. Uh, some might call it a dead cat bounce. If it's a dead cat bounce, that means it's going to head back down again. Um, and then the last couple, three days, you know, we have a little sideways, not up, not down kind of movement, you know, up today, down yesterday, down the day before that kind of action. So, uh, we haven't, we don't know what direction we have to break above our old highs and go above it. Our old highs were made in last September. Then it was tested, tested in the latter part, very end of April, the May gave 10%, 10%, almost a 10% correction, not quite, but almost there. And now uh, we've had a little reflex bounce up from that correction. We got to get, you know, for another bull leg to happen, it means it has to break above that old resistance of the highs. And we're not there yet. So that's what I plan to talk about today. But of course, you come first, as I said, the number, listener line number is 888 chart. Hey guys, I was wondering if you could talk about Nokia. I've noticed they've kind of been just taking a beating the last few months, and I know they are going into 5G rather than phones. They haven't been doing phones for a while. I was wondering if you could talk about their earnings and stuff like that, how it's going to turn out. Thanks. Bye. Well, the problem with Nokia, it's a big company still, $28 billion, but far cry from what it used to be. It's a Finnish developer of telecom infrastructure, mobile brand broadband technologies, and digital map networks. They used to be a big maker of phones, as you said. They, they don't do that anymore. So most people look at it and say, well, it's only selling for $5.08. What a cheap stock. Not necessarily. Cheap, the price of a stock has nothing to do with whether it's cheap or expensive. The price of a stock has nothing to do with whether or not that stock is cheap or expensive. It is all about the earnings. Earnings per share determine whether it's a cheap or expensive stock. Nokia is going to make 25 cents a share this year. That's 5% less than they made last year. They're going to bounce next year and make 39 cents a share. Okay, that's good. 
they're going to make have a good return, uh, a, a good increase in earnings next year. It's a five dollar and eight cents stock, so it's thirty nine cents. Does that make that stock cheap or expensive? Well, if it was a ten p, fifteen pe, which is a market pe, that'd be about five dollars. Well, what what would make it worth more than market pe? Well, growth, sales growth would. If it was growing sales fast, well, this is what it's done with the sales. The last four quarters, they averaged a shrinkage of sales by about 4%. So, no, their sales growth is not there. So, it's not cheap, even based on a really good earnings report for next year. So, I wouldn't buy this stock. There's no reason to buy it. There's no impetus. There's no, I mean, return on equity is only 8%. Cash flow is 41%. Okay, we'll buy it for a dividend. Well, they're only paying eight-tenths of 1% in dividend. Where's your reason to buy the stock? If you tell me the reason is because it's $5.08, I'm telling you, I'll tell you that that's just not a good reason. That's not, it's not worth, it's not worth it. It's, it, actually, it's about worth five bucks a share. Well, that's where it is, so why would I buy it? I need the stock to be growing, to be, give me, or give me a big dividend, do something. Especially if it's a big company. So, no, uh, stay away from Nokia. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. I thank you very much. And I think you should know you know, you need to make my plans. I, you need to make plans for our next wealth conference, Invest Talk Wealth Conference. And it's set for Saturday, June 22nd in Irvine, right in my, our building. They have a big conference area downstairs. And so, I want you to be there if you can. In case you don't know, Irvine is located in Orange County, California, south of Los Angeles, north of San Diego. And the Investor Wealth Conference is live. It's two hours and happening one week from this coming Saturday. Wealth Conference. Justin and I will love to see you there. And what we're going to talk about, we're going to understand the current volatile market that we're living in and the global economic environment we are in right now. We're giving you a plan to maybe boost some income and manage your investment risks. And finally, define ways for you to find good opportunities. There are always good opportunities in the market, almost all the time. Not 100% of the time, but mostly all the time. There are some right now. So join me and Justin and my crew uh, Saturday, June 22nd from 9 to 11. And you can purchase tickets now. Go to investtalk.com. And I'm taking your questions live, 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk, and as an investor, you've seen a good deal of market volatility this year. And there will surely be more surprises coming. But don't worry, Steve has returned from San Jose, and he's here now to take your finance and investment questions live. Call 888-99-CHART. Okay, how about some uh, some news items, some business news items? I always talk about business news here, unless it's political news that affect business, and then I'll talk about that too. Restoration Hardware, symbol RH, raised its forecast, and the stock was trading much higher, up 24%. Okay, Restoration Hardware, you know, that's that high-priced retailer that specializes in home furnishings. Have you seen their catalogs? Have you been to one of their stores? It's kind of a neat kind of place. It's, uh, they have implemented a luxury strategy, which actually I think is pretty smart. Luxury. I mean, why not go after the people that have money, right? 
The company was founded in 1979 in Eureka, California. I've been to Eureka once when I was 19. It's on the coast, way above San Francisco. 100, 200, 300 miles above San Francisco. People think San Francisco is at the top of of California. No, it's in the middle of the state. Everybody forgets about Northern California. San Francisco is not Northern California. It's only north of L.A., that's all. <laughs> you know, but uh, uh, Eureka is in Northern California. Anyways, Restoration Hardware. They they even opened up a, a, a what they call a, a scaled-down version of their you know, luxury little doodads. And this is for the small living spaces. Have you seen those small houses? They People are living in those old tiny mobile houses or whatever you call them. I don't know. Anyways, it's funny. They, they, Restoration Hardware is targeting that business with some fancy, fancy uh, hardware, you know, knobs and things for cabinets. Kind of interesting. Anyways, anyway, Restoration Hardware is doing pretty good. Really doing quite well. Um, oil today. Did you see the news with the, the uh, two oil tankers on fire? And of course, there's all that political thing. So oil, you would think that oil's near $53 a share. Oh, I mean, you have the Strait of Hormuz, which is a choke point, being attacked by whoever. And you would think that would be extremely scary for the oil market. And so oil prices, which are priced internationally in dollars, right, our dollars, you would think that that would jump oil prices tremendously. And if it would happen 10, 15 years ago, it would have. Five years ago, 10 years. But today it was like the oil market went, ho-hum, who cares? Why is that? Why did they not worry about it? I mean, why didn't our markets care, care about them? Maybe because we're very close to oil independence and maybe because we're the largest producer of oil now. We don't have those kinds of problems. Maybe because we're less dependent on that Middle East. I think that's a good thing. Now, that doesn't mean oil won't go up if there's a big problem in the Middle East because they, they supply a big chunk of oil in around the world. But I thought that was interesting. The rea- I thought it was interesting the reaction to it. Not much reaction to it in the market. Yeah, so I thought that was uh, something we should share. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. And if you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you have heard me say that I believe every investor should determine their individual risk tolerance. How much risk can you handle in the market? And as a first step in building that, figuring that out, you need to define what risk that you are willing, what your comfort zone is. Well, how do I do that? Well, we have an, an easy way to calibrate that. You, you, to calibrate your own personal risk tolerance. It's free. It's an online tool at investtalk.com. It's called Riskalyze. It's a questionnaire, a very short questionnaire. So go to investtalk.com. Can you believe it? We are fast moving through June and the second quarter of 2019. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 
Good afternoon, Steve and Justin. This is Zach from New York. I uh, appreciate the show and thank you for sharing your experience. Uh, my question for you today is in regards to mandatory 401k distributions and rolling them over into another uh, retirement account, such as an IRA. Uh, my father is 71 uh, and he has probably like two different retirement accounts and he is still working and contributing to one right now. Um, so he will have to be taking out of them soon. Um, so my question to you is he'd like to roll them over, his distributions over into an IRA with um, different beneficiaries. And I was curious what the tax implications of that action were for the beneficiaries of that IRA or uh, other retirement account. Thanks for the podcast, and I look forward to hearing your answer soon. Okay, so of course, there is no tax implications for him as he owns those uh, retirement accounts, and he can combine them, roll them over into a rollover IRA. Now, you as a beneficiary or whoever the beneficiary are, nothing happens until he passes away, of course. And then as a beneficiary, you will get the IRA and it'll be a beneficiary IRA. Okay. At that point, you are required to start taking distributions. Uh, and there's a couple of ways you can do it. One, and, and this is not my area of expertise, so I apologize for that. But I know there's two ways. One, you can take the money all at one time, but then you'll be taxed on it. But you can also spread it out. And I think there's two ways that you can spread it out so you don't take it all at one time, so you don't have to pay taxes all at one time. One is over a number of years you set the time period. And I think the other one is based on your your age, but you got to take it sooner than you would your normal IRA. So it's an inherited IRA, and it's different. If it goes to his wife, then it's based on her age and so on and so forth. She just, it just becomes her IRA. But as a beneficiary, other than his wife, it's different. So you need to talk to a tax guy that knows this, a CPA type person knows this better than I do. I just know that that exists. Good question, though, and good thought. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. My main talking point today concerns the story of the Feds blocking the tax break. Now, the Fed, uh, what we're talking about is the, 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 the tax law that was implemented oh, not that long ago, okay, a couple years ago. And what it did is it limited to $10,000 uh, 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 that was a cap for state and local tax deductions. So if your property tax was under $10,000, you could you, know, you got to take the whole benefit, right? But people like us here in California and those people in maybe New York state, you know, and the, the, the property tax or you know, maybe Boston area, you know, all there's many areas. Property taxes are much higher than 10,000, so we were capped at 10,000. So, some states trying to get around it. And I've noticed that the, you cannot get around paying taxes. You cannot bring come up with rules or laws or regulations to just to avoid paying taxes in many situations. So the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act uh, limited the captives at $10,000. The Treasury and IRS issued a final rule on Tuesday to address the workarounds Largely putting all these workarounds, these new charitable funds, out of business, really. Okay, and it also dampens pre-existing charitable tax credits programs in 33 other states. So what happened is these states passed legislation that will allow municipalities to create charitable funds 
to pay for their local services and offer property tax credits to incentivize homeowners to give to the charitable fund. So, so the taxpayers could write off the charitable the giving the charitable deductions on their federal income tax rate return. So the city or the state, whoever did it, would pay, you know, could collect money, okay, and you could write this off your property tax, and it's kind of a way to try to get around avoiding the caps. So the IRS and the federal government said, no, I don't think so. Uh, they said that the, the, the state and, and our local tax credit uh, is not is is a contribution would constitute a quid pro quo as opposed to actually given to charity, which is true. You cannot get you know so it's not a charity thing just because the city or state's paying you know using that money in, in lieu of property tax to do whatever they want to do with it. It. it you could tell it kind of stunk from the very beginning. So they just got rid of that. So uh, I find it fascinating. I noticed that the states were like New Jersey and Massachusetts and New York and Connecticut. You know, I don't understand. Didn't those people, they, they want to pay taxes, right? No, just like everybody else. We all try to pay as little as, we want to pay our share, but we want to pay as little as possible. But you can't get around it. That was that old saying: "Death and taxes can never avoid death and taxes." Can't do it. On tomorrow, Invest Talk in May, U.S. import prices had the largest drop in five months. The decline in the cost of goods is the latest indication of mutual inf- muted muted inflation. We had the number CPI CPI PPI out one tenth of one percent. We have no inflation. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. Give me a call, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, and if you live anywhere in Southern California, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein encourage you to make plans to attend KPP Financial's Invest Talk Wealth Conference. It's happening on Saturday, June 22nd in Irvine, California. In today's low-yield world, it is difficult to find great income opportunities while still maintaining safety and liquidity. Steve and I can help you. At the conference, Steve and Justin will help you understand the current volatile market and global economic environment. They'll give you a plan to boost income and manage investment risk. And they'll define ways to find great opportunities in any market environment. The Summer Invest Talk Wealth Conference is an investor learning opportunity that you should not miss. I'm Justin Klein. I invite you to attend our next Invest Talk Wealth Conference, Saturday, June 22nd. This is Invest Talk, the KPP Premium Newsletter distributed to each subscriber's inbox on Fridays provides a summary of the market week that was, offers a look ahead, and even points out notable stock ideas. You can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. Have you got a question for Steve? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Gene, our friend Gene in North Carolina. How you doing, Gene? 
Thanks for taking my call, Steve. I want to comment about uh, the topic you had about uh, state income tax and the old law versus the no. new law about writing it off on your federal tax. Right. The cap? You yeah. The $10,000 cap? Yeah, I, I'm actually in favor of that. I, I, having the cap, I think is, it was actually very unfair to the federal government that they allowed people to write off their state income tax. It is actually incentivizes the state to raise their taxes and, and have an out saying, oh, you can deduct it from your, your, no, your probably, federal tax and you, uh, and you won't pay as much. I'm going to... I know, uh, Gina. I'm going to probably shock you. I, I'm the one that got penalized by this because my 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 property tax is uh, eighteen thousand dollars a year, and I'm going to agree with you. Absolutely agree with you. So here, you know, it's costing me a fortune, right? But I think it's you're absolutely right. I think I think it's unfair. I thought Here's it was the unfair, part and I. Th- of it. Imagine that your state raises your your property tax or your income tax from one year to to the other. You make the same amount of money from one year to the other, so you pay you pay a little bit more, but you don't pay as much as you could under the old law. You could deduct it, but what happens is the federal government they didn't change their tax rate, but they gain they gain less money. They get less federal income tax from you because you had a big bigger right. deduction. Yeah, I know. So, I know. So I, I think you're right. I think it was unfair. With the old rule, I think this is a the fair less money the federal government made on your same on your same income. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Gene, good point. I appreciate the call. Thank you. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking that you know I you know the the high tax states were you know uh, the people who live there, which I am one of them. We're kind of taking advantage of other everybody else in the country, so that law, the the new law kind of never makes it a fair and play a fair playing field, but it made a fairer playing field. Thanks, Gene. Appreciate it. Let's go to Farhan in San Jose. How you doing, Farhan? I'm good, Steve. Thank you for your show. Um, I had a Thank question you. on treasury bills. Um, yes. While I'm moving to cash, uh, as I, I'm moving out of the market into cash, I was wondering, uh, rather than parking into money market funds, does it make sense to purchase short-term T-bills like four weeks and eight weeks and ladder them out? Actually, it does. Because remember, the interest you make on those are tax-deductible on treasuries, right? So you might get less interest, but if your income tax is high, you might w- might want the tax benefit. So, um, and of course, a treasury, a one year, one month, two months, three months, six months, one year, two year, five year, 10 year, and 30 year, uh, those things that pay, they pay less interest, but it's 100% guaranteed safe. So, you know, there's, there's that, there are benefits. Uh, if you buy, um, if you buy U.S. government treasuries, the interest you make on them are federal tax free. You don't have to count that as income. So, yeah, there's reasons to do it. It depends on your personal circumstances, but yeah. Okay, fine. Appreciate the call. Thank you. 888-99-CHART, everybody. On top of, let's see. Now, there was a new report here. Amazon has now surpassed Apple and Google as the world's most valuable brand. Amazon. Notice that Apple, Amazon, Google, they're all fighting, right? I mean, they're all trying to get that brand name. Okay, of the top 
10 brands, five or six technology names are undoubtedly on that list, right? And of course, investors want to know that brand prominence can be used to monetize profits, make money, okay? Make more money, your brand. And, and thus increases stock value. Of course, that all everybody wants it. So ex- Amazon is extremely competitive player in many, many business, types of businesses. We all know that. So, what does this mean for you as an investor? Well, you got to think about it. Amazon is doing very, very well. Now, don't always, you know, everybody thinks that if Amazon got in your business of your, wherever, whoever you are, if it got into competing with you, you have to have a plan to compete with Amazon. And of course, I've mentioned, you know, well, Walmart and, and, and Target and various others have, you know, have a plan. But don't think that Amazon is going. It's as interest of business that it's just going to take over, because that's not the case. I'll give you a case in point. Amazon has retreated from the food delivery business. You know, maybe that's going to help Uber Eats. Uber Eats, right? They've they Amazon's not dominating that, and they're having a struggle with that with their food delivery business. What is, who's competing with that? Well, look at what Walmart does. They'll deliver it to your house. Remember that article I mentioned last week where not only will Walmart deliver food to your house, they'll go in your house and put the food away in the refrigerator or wherever it needs to be if you want them to. They're testing that. Deliver the food and put it in your your cupboards. (laughs) I think that's pretty funny. Anyways, I don't know if I want somebody in my refrigerator. But I'm just saying, Amazon doesn't always win everything. Now, since we're talking about food, um, let's talk about Blue Apron. You know who Blue Apron is? Well, food food delivery per company, right? And they're a public company. I don't really want to talk about Blue Apron, but they announced that they, after hours tonight that they're going to do a reverse split. One for 15 reverse split. Do you know what splits are? Regular splits? Every what a reverse split is? If a regular split, a stock split, they are called stock split. They are, what happens in a regular split is your stock, you own a, pair, a share of stock, and if the company announces a split, and I'm going to give you the most simple example because it's just easy to follow. Let's say the company, uh, your stock, you have a stock and it's trading for $100 a share. And the company says, we're going to do a two-for-one split. What that means is they're now going to give you another share. You're going to have, for every share you have, you're now going to have two shares. And they're going to cut the price in half. So instead of one share at $100, you'll have two shares at $50 each. So they cut the price out. So it actually does not increase the price of your holdings. It doesn't do a darn thing to increase the price of your holdings, except the perception is that their stock splits are good because when the stock price goes up and up and up and up, they split it to drive the price down a little bit to be more liquid, and then they have more shares out there in the float. That's all good news, and it kind of helps boost the stock price. A reverse split is just the opposite. It kind of, you know, people don't kind of like it. So the blue apron is doing a one for 15. So if you have 15 shares, now you're going to have one share and the price is going to be up. Now, the problem is, is that's kind of viewed as negative 
And so all, after hours, the stock was actually trading down 10% because of that. So, 11%. So, because it's negative perception of what's happening, people don't like it, investors don't like it. Now, why would they do a reverse split? Well, to be trading on the exchanges, whether it's the New York or the NASDAQ, you have to have a certain price. You can't, I think the, I think the, the New York Stock Exchange is, I want to say it's $5 a share. It's got to be $5 a share or higher. And in the NASDAQ, I think it's $2 or higher to be on the exchange. So if your stock price goes below that and stays below that, they'll make you do things like a reverse split to get the price up. So they can't leave it that low. Now, I don't know the actual rules, uh, what the actual price is these days. Is it $5 on the Dow? Maybe someone out there knows. I could look it up, I suppose. Uh, and $2 on the NASDAQ? Cause, um, you, you know, and don't think that stocks don't go below those numbers. They do, but they have to make an effort to get it back up. And the, the exchange will take action if they don't. Anyways, exchanges have rules to, to be, you know, that you have to comply with. Isn't that interesting? 888-99-CHARTER is our number, everybody. We're live. 888-992-4278. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. As an investor, you've seen the volatility of the market. To prosper, serious investors need to make sure they are implementing an effective master design, a deliberate plan formulated with the right mix of strategic investing programs. KPP Financial offers such a diverse set of programs, and you can contact Steve or Justin at their offices in Irvine, California to start a conversation. You can also quickly see what you may be missing anytime when you visit investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Steve is here, and he's ready for your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Hello, this is Conrad from Phoenix. I had a question about Amcor Technology, A-M-K-R. I've been interested in the stock for a little while. I've been kind of waiting on it. I said once it got to the $6 range that I wanted to buy it. Now it's at the $6 range, and... I'm hesitant for some reason. The PE is below 20. They make money. It's a small cap, so it's got high, you know, higher growth potential. But I saw that its growth revenue was a little bit down. So I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this stock. Okay, this is a new one for me. I don't remember ever seeing this stock, which is kind of unusual. Amcor, uh, Amcor Technology is uh, out of Tempe, Arizona. Manufactures chip scale, leader frame, ball grind, array packages, and provides test services. And I don't know what all that means. It's in the semiconductor and manufacturing area. I don't know what that means. I don't. I'm ignorant here. Uh, I, but I don't have to know what... No... Uh, what it means, but I certainly can read the numbers. Now, they make money, they have made money, they continue to make money. It's just that they only made five cents in 2019. 2018, that's the estimate, by the way, that they're going to make five cents this year. Last year, they made 50 cents, 60 cents. The year before, they made 58 cents. 
It's a $7.26 stock. Next year, it's going to rebound to $0.46 cents a share. So you can see how erratic those earnings are. $0.46 cents a share means that this stock is selling for around 17 18 P.E. One of the things that, that disturbs me, it's a $1.7 billion company, but there's no sales growth in recent quarters. It was shrinkage. Three quarters ago, three, three quarters ago uh, growth was flat, sales growth. Then two quarters ago, in the December quarter last year, 2008, the fourth quarter last year, sales shrank 8%. Then the first quarter this year, sales shrank 13%. There's where your concern is. Yes, the stock has fallen from 950 down to 650, now recovered to 726. And, you know, uh, I, frankly, if I don't see a growth a growth path, that growth does, has to accelerate. You know, uh, there's no, this stock is not overpriced. It's, you know, it's not underpriced. It's you fairly priced. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get excited about this stock. It has good cash flow. $3 a share, that's good. But the return on equity is only 8%. That, that, you know, these smaller stocks should have much better numbers. See, these kind of numbers you would look at and say, well, gee, that's a big blue chip, chip company. And they'd be better paying a dividend because there's nothing there to spark your interest. Well, the smaller companies, they need to have much better numbers. They don't have to have spectacular growth. But if they don't have spectacular growth, they better be much cheaper to buy. So I, I would say the AMKR, Amcor Technologies, is not one I would buy. I would not. Okay. People are finally beginning to realize that Facebook's product is them, the users, you. You are their product. Facebook harvests terabytes of data. Uh, of their users, how they behave. And I actually have this in the newsletter this week. It's under a market, uh, uh, Consumer Watch, okay? Uh, the information about you, they sell it. They sell that information. They grab all that information, everything you think you do, pictures you take, uh, uh, you know, websites, YouTube videos you watch, any, any, anything and everything, they grab all that information. Okay, they don't care. They're not interested about your privacy. That's not it's not a concern of theirs. No. Now the the stock is trading flat, but at some point they they're 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 attracting regulations. Okay, we see it. You've seen it on TV. Experts are forecasting that the federal government will be driven to intervene with regulations. Not only on Facebook, but everybody else. They think you know, they, whatever they regulate, they're going to apply to everybody. Not just Facebook. Facebook is just the target because they're letting themselves be the target. I mean, they've done things that you know, with privacy concerns. Did you know that the United States has probably the weakest privacy laws of any country in the world? <laughs> I don't know, but the other countries enforcing them, but we have weak laws. Europe has much better laws and enforce them. So, we are weak when it comes to privacy. They're the new big brother. They are the big brother. Not government necessarily, even though government does, you know, can do that too. But I thought that was interesting. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. 
And of course, we have one goal here, only one goal, and that's to help you become financial, financially free. That means have plenty of money to do whatever you want to do and not what you have to do. So we continue. Get your questions in now, 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, in May, U.S. import prices had their largest drop in five months. This decline in the cost of goods is another indication of muted inflation. That story tomorrow. But now, Steve is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey, thanks so much for taking my call. My question is regarding GDX, the Gold Miners Index. I'm thinking of more of a long-term play as we're getting to the end of our cycle, possibly hitting a recession in maybe a year to five years. What would you think about buying the stock now and then just sitting on it until that does happen? If that is a good idea, what price do you think is a good price to get in on this? Thanks so much. Bye. I think it is a good idea, and I've been saying so since last year, that it would be time to start thinking about putting on uh, uh, I, th- I said that I think this year, 2019, that, that gold will finally, you know, do something. I'm not saying it's going to be great. I'm just thinking it's going to be better than the overall market, and it's a good place to hide from the market. If the market goes down, or we go in recession, if the dollar gets weak, or there's war, gold goes up. So I don't think it's a very good long-term hold, though. It's not something like a blue-chip thing that you hold for the next 10 years, 15, 20 years. No, I think on a short-term basis, and and you pointed out, and I agree 100%, the economic cycle is getting old, late. And by this summer, it'll be the longest expansion since the Great Depression of an economic growth from a recession. So you can't. You know, it's way overdue. Well, gold and silver, they're, you know, as an investment, are good protectors. And these days, you can buy the ETF of gold or gold miners. And I do like the gold miners better than the actual gold, which the ETF is GDX and gold is GLD. I'm not telling you to buy it because I'm not supposed to bring up the darn things, but I just violated some of the SEC rule. Don't tell anybody. Um, but... I do like them, and if you'll note, they've been moving pretty strong here in the last couple of weeks, because if you've been paying attention, the dollar got a little bit weaker, so that always helps these. Uh, when to buy them, where to buy them, well, it would have been a great, the GDX, it, you know, it, it would have been great to buy it at 20 uh, $20.50 or so. That's the 200-day moving average. And, and for the month of May, it kind of stuck right near the 200-day moving average. And now it's up to 23.24. So that's just in June. It's up you know 15% or so. So you might now it's right at where it was a topping last in March. It topped right around here. So I would wait till it either breaks out, breaks out or pulls back. And I have a feeling it's going to break out then you just buy it you know who knows where it's going to go i don't know no one knows don't think when i say i don't know it's because i don't know and no one else knows either they say they do i love it when people are so certain you can't be certain in the in the marketplace it's just not possible um 
and I love it when they, they, they point out, well, see, I was right. You notice I don't do that? I don't go back and say, well, I said this, and I was right here and wrong. Because I could say two different opposite things in the past and say, see, I was right. So you got to be careful about those people that do that, point to their successes. Because, you know, you can be just as wrong, and they never point to those. So I try to stay away from that. I really try to do that because it, it's, it's just self-serving is all it is. I'm trying to help you get to our goal and that's to make you wealthy. That's my point. That's where I want to be right, helping people get wealthy. And, I, and that's my goal, not for me to be right, but for everybody to get wealthy. I think it's doable. It's do, You people listening to this radio station, it's doable for you because you have the interest and you, you're thinking about it. Just thinking about it is a good first step. Now, why won't some people buy a home? Then, you know, the American dream, everybody wants to buy a home. Then this really is a case in point for the uh, gen, uh, from the millennials, the, those, those people in their early 30s now or mid-30s, I guess. They have good reasons not to. One is they like the flexibility where they can live where they want to. They don't. They're not stuck in a house because you have a mortgage at your house and you can't move to, to where you want to. A lot of them like to live in where the action is in cities. You know, big places where there's a lot more interesting things to do. They don't want to. They don't have time and don't want to do the maintenance. You know, uh, there's a lot of perks in some of these luxury apartment places. Perks, gymnasiums and movie theaters and massage areas. You know, the luxuries. So, they, you know, that's good points. Yeah. So. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investor program, everybody. I thank you for your loyal support and all your questions. So, please come back tomorrow. Tomorrow's Friday. And, of course, I'll be sharing my highlights from the KPP Premium Newsletter that I'll be working on tonight. So, good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.